For our text today, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the 24th chapter, a place where Jesus is giving a good deal of teaching about the end times. And we'll begin to read together at verse 36 and read through the end of the chapter using your bulletin insert as a unison reading. Again, that's Matthew 24, beginning to read at verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in His household, to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, I gave you a hint during the children's story. I hope you've already been thinking about the difference between watching and waiting because I think that even though those are both scriptural terms and Jesus teaches us here to watch and be watchful as He does in other places, and Scripture also teaches us to wait, especially in the Psalms. Do we see the... the uh, the command to wait upon the Lord. And so they're both good terms. They're both scriptural. But I think that there's a little bit of difference between the two. And, and let's just think about it in these terms. If you were old enough to have gone through it, which of these two did you practice while Hurricane Hugo 
was to come ashore. I believe that was 1989. Did you watch or did you wait? I'm sure there were some of us who kept watch. That is, keeping awake in order to protect or, or guard or be prepared while others of us simply waited. Webster's Dictionary tells us that to wait is to remain inactive until something expected takes place. If you know me at all, you know I watch the weather pretty religiously and can usually tell you what it's going to do today as well as the next couple of days. And while Hurricane Hugo was being talked about in the news, I remember keeping up with it and talking about it. And Sarah and I even had a discussion about what we thought it was going to do when it came as far as where we were living at the time, which was Gastonia, North Carolina. And I can remember saying, well, hurricanes always, you know, come ashore in the Carolinas from time to time, but they always spend their fury by the time they get this far inland. We probably won't have more than 50 mile an hour winds. So we didn't watch. We waited. Which means that we went to bed that night just like any other night. I mean, we talked a little bit about whether we might ought to bring the children down from their upstairs bedrooms, but in my great wisdom, I said, no, let's just leave them where they are. I don't think we'll have any problems. And it was about 4 a.m. that morning, I was awakened by the sound of, of wind, and I was still even too stupid to do anything. I thought, well, you know, it's already spent its fury on the coastal plain. That's just the remnants of Hugo passing through, and I turned over and went back to sleep. The next morning we got up and like those of you who were living in Rock Hill at the time, you were probably amazed to see about a six-inch cushion of shredded leaves and limbs and sticks all across your yard. And as we looked out our windows to our street, we could look down the street and see one of our neighbor's homes split completely in half by a huge oak tree. And we could see people walking up the street and and pointing up at our house, and you could, you could read their lips. Look at that. And so we went outside to see what everyone was pointing at, and there was a, about a 15-foot section of the top of a poplar tree just thrown into our roof like it was a spear with about eight feet sticking out at a perpendicular angle to the roof only some 15 or 20 feet over from Rachel's bedroom. We had simply waited for the hurricane instead of watching for it, and we were unprepared. Now in our passage this morning, Jesus is encouraging us to watch, not wait as he tells us about the future, a future that will include his return, his second coming to this earth. But in order to make his point, notice that Jesus uses an illustration from the past, the great flood in the days of Noah. In other words, Jesus is looking back in order to look ahead. 
And quite frankly, that's where many of us get stuck, especially as we think about looking toward a new year. We're stuck looking back oftentimes. Or sometimes stuck hoping for something better to come. And in the meantime, life slips by. For those of us hoping for something better, we probably do so not only out of a selfish perspective for ourselves, but also for our world. We're living in the midst of this second great depression and we're tired of it. We're glad that unemployment figures are finally dropping. They've gone from 25% in Rock Hill city limits to below 20 and we're thankful for that. But that's still a lot of people who are out there searching for jobs and we hope for something better in their lives. We hope for better times, better relationships among ourselves, among our families, our friends, even among nations between the world. We hope for all kinds of positive changes in the year to come for ourselves, for our community, for our nation, for this church. Of course, for others of us, we're not looking ahead because we're still somewhere in the past. We come in here on Sunday morning and remember what we refer to as the good old days when there was no terrorism or very little. Many of you can remember walking in an airport and onto an airplane without any problems whatsoever. We long for that kind of world. We remember simpler times when folks left their doors unlocked. By the way, it's still that way in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. Sarah's home church you ever are up that way and want to look at it, just walk in because the doors will still be open. But that's a very protected part of our world and not reality to most of us. We remember times when those around us had respect for life and property and we remember when 300 people would be in this sanctuary for worship on other occasions other than Christmas Eve and lessons and carols and Easter. For those of us who spend all or most of our time thinking like that, the future in this new year is dim, not bright. But if the truth is told, most of us stand somewhere between these two extremes that I've just described and we even combine some of both from time to time. But what each of us must understand as we look toward this new year is that God has a gift for you and me and that gift is the present. I mean, it's fine to dream about the future, to even hope for glorious days, especially in conjunction with the coming, the return of Jesus Christ in glory and honor and majesty and power. But the dream still finds its context within the here and now. If we long for that glorious day, then let us begin moving toward it now. When Jesus tells us to watch here in Matthew 24, that's one thing He's accomplishing. 
He's calling us to prepare for the future in the present. His illustration of Noah and the people around him in his day and time, it speaks to this. The people were so wrapped up in everyday activities that they were caught off guard because they had no concern for righteousness. They had no concern for spiritual realities. By contrast, Noah and his family lived each day in preparation for the coming flood even though they saw no specific signs of its arrival. And I just wonder, do we live each day in preparation for the return of Christ with that same kind of faithfulness and hopefulness? That we're ready for His return, we're expecting it even though we see no specific signs of its arrival. Jesus wants us to learn from Noah's example, to watch, to to live in the present as if eternal realities might be seen in the very next moment. We won't be able to see them if we're living five or ten years in the past. And we won't be able to see them if all of our energy is focused on the future. And that tells you and me that the present is important as it's infused with this attitude of watchfulness and readiness for whatever God has in store for you, for me, for this church, for this community, this nation, and this world. And the present is important because it's God's gift to us. The past is gone, the future has not happened yet, but we do have today in all of its glory, and we have today with God in our midst. You know, the psalmist says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in what? In it. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, in this day that God has given unto us. Whether we're happy or sad, whether we're hopeful or despairing, God sends His power into our midst through His Holy Spirit this very day. You know, it's Jesus who gave us a promise. He said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the close of the age. And that means that Jesus is here today, right now. After all, His name as this season of Advent which we just enjoyed reminds us His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us now just as He was in the past, just as He will be in the future. The Apostle Paul also picks up on this notion of watchfulness to which Jesus speaks and he uses it in his letters as well. Near the end of 1 Corinthians, Paul commands the Christians there at Corinth to be watchful, to stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong. And that verb watchful there is the same verb that Jesus uses in Matthew 24, which, uh, by the way, is the Greek word from which we get our name Gregory. So if you know a Greg and we have one who's a deacon, he must be a watchful kind of guy. Well, as we think about watchfulness, you've probably heard it said tongue-in-cheek 
that the world can be divided into three categories of people. The few who make things happen, the many who watch things happen, and the vast majority who have no idea in the world what is happening. Well, I'm not sure that that joke takes the nuance of meaning for watch that we're talking about here this morning because Paul wants to make sure and Jesus wants to make sure that this attitude of preparedness, of watchfulness is with us at all times. And as I say, Paul picks up on that and we see it in his letters over and over again. He also uh, pretty much quotes or paraphrases Jesus in 1 Thessalonians 5 where he says, "...the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night." But you, Christian people, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you're all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, Paul says, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Once again, the same verb that Jesus uses. Paul is using there in 1 Thessalonians 5. And then Paul says, since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. You see, he's using a, a military metaphor, which means that we, like well-protected soldiers, are called to carry out our Christian responsibilities with the conviction of faith, the service of love, and the assurance, the assurance of our deliverance from judgment by God's grace unto us in Jesus Christ. When we live this way, we can't help but be spiritually alert and ready for anything that God sends our way or anything that He allows to come our way. It's all about nurturing this great hope of Jesus' return. For as we do that on a daily basis, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to say no to worldly passions and to live godly and upright lives in this present age as Paul instructs us in Titus 2. When this is a daily habit, when this is a daily discipline, this watchfulness, this preparedness, we watch for Jesus' return fully equipped to meet Him with peace and confidence in our hearts. Because as Scripture reminds us, perfect love casts out fear. And that's what God has given unto us in the gift of His own Son, perfect Love, And this armor called faith, it seems to me, helps us do all of this. Faith helps us to see that God, the God of all things past and the God of all things future, offers us the gift of the present. God invites us to live now in expectation and awareness of the fact that the reality of eternity can and does break into the present at any time. Faith helps us to put into daily living the truth of the Advent season we just experienced, the truth of Emmanuel, God with us. 
in faith and through faith, we're challenged not to become so starry-eyed about the future that we can see nothing else, and at the same time, not to become so pessimistic that we give our lives over to despondency because things aren't like they used to be, but rather to reach for perfection even in the midst of this imperfect world, to be seized by the eternal even in the midst of something as small as a 24-hour day. Now granted, that's a challenge. And a fair question at this moment is to ask, how do we really accomplish all of that? And it's really a simple answer. Jesus gives it to us in this passage, and others like it. We do it by watching. And to watch means to live in the here and now, always ready and aware that the the reality of eternity can come upon us at any second, just like it did with those shepherds in the fields out keeping watch over their flocks by night just like it did with the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road, that God can break into our lives through the power of His Spirit at any given moment. And we have to be ready for His presence in our midst. And if we begin to live that way, what we'll come to see is that faith, true faith, shows itself even in the journey of life each day. And not just at journey's end or at some point in the future. So watch. Watch every day for the gift of God. God with us, Emmanuel. And watch every day for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the honor and glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together.